0: This is Bloomberg Law with June Grosso from Bloomberg Radio.
1: You may remember how attorneys Sidney Powell and Rudy Giuliani repeatedly promoted former President Trump's bogus election fraud conspiracy, even suggesting that voting machines had been manipulated to rig the 2020 election. Talking about some massive straight lines up in the vote tallies in the middle of the night after they've supposedly stopped counting and that's when the dominion operators went in and injected votes and changed the whole system
0: the company counting our vote with control over our vote is owned by two venezuelans who were allies of chavez are present allies of maduro with a company whose chairman is a close associate and business partner of George Soros, the biggest donor to the Democrat Party.
1: Well, three lawsuits may seem like the revenge of the voting machines. Smartmatic is seeking $2.7 billion in a defamation lawsuit against Fox News, its commentators Lou Dobbs, Jeanine Pirro, and Maria Bartiromo, and Trump's lawyers, Giuliani and Powell. This suit follows a pair of similar complaints filed last month by Dominion against the attorneys. Joining me is Jonathan Peters, media law professor at the University of Georgia. Jonathan, Fox News is claiming it was protected by the First Amendment, basically that it had a right to report the details of a sitting president's claims of election fraud.
0: I think the keys in this case will be the fault element of defamation and the potential assertion of an opinion defense in what Fox News seems to be asserting in its motion to dismiss, and that would be some use of the so-called neutral reportage privilege. So I'll unpack that with you a little bit here. The Supreme Court has set out a high level of protection for statements of opinion, and the court once said that there is no such thing as a false idea, and that however pernicious an opinion may seem, we depend on for its correction, not on the conscience of judges and juries, but on the competition of other Ideas. But importantly, this protection is not unlimited, and it has not created, as the court has said a couple of times, a practical or theoretical wholesale defamation exemption for anything that might be labeled opinion. Now, the trick in general, and I think the trick in this case will be that opinions and facts are not always easily distinguishable. Context is going to be critical. Traditionally, courts have distinguished them with the presumption that facts can be proven true or false. Well, opinions are matters of belief or ideas that cannot be so proven, and in my mind, that is one of the things that separates the smartmatic litigation and even the Dominion litigation arising out of similar facts from other efforts in recent years you know, where speech related litigation has been weaponized for political reasons. I see this litigation as different as less performative as less politically motivated because Many of the statements at issue are provably true or false. So, to put a more concrete spin on this, I would distinguish this case from those of, say, Devin Nunez, Joe Arpaio, Roy Moore, you know, who I think used libel law generally to score political points, you know, to settle scores with ideological opponents, or to generate publicity. And then the last comment I make about the invocation of the neutral reportage privilege. So what Fox is saying here is that this privilege can protect a news organization in limited circumstances from liability for republishing another's defamatory comments. Historically, this privilege has applied where four things are true. Number one, a responsible and prominent organization or person. Number two, has made a serious claim about a matter of public concern. Three, about another public figure or organization. And then four, the claim is accurately and disinterestedly reported by the defendant. So I think in general, there's sensible policy reasons that you might recognize a neutral reportage privilege, but it's been widely rejected around the country, and generally it has not been applied in New York state courts, which is where the Smartmatic litigation is pending, even though it has been applied some in New York federal courts under the First Amendment in really limited ways. So I'm kind of skeptical that that will work in this case.
1: Should Smartmatic be considered a public figure, meaning it has a higher burden to meet? That is
0: going to be key. And what we're really unpacking here is the fault element of libel. So as you pointed out, you know, a libel plaintiff has to prove that the defendant erred in some way, that, that he or she was at fault in some way in publishing the defamation at issue. And the degree of fault can be dispositive. This, this can determine the entire case because the degree that must be established depends on precisely who is doing the suing. And public officials and public figures have the heavy burden of showing that the defamation was published with knowledge that it was false or in reckless disregard of its truthfulness. Private people, private organizations usually have the lighter burden of showing that the publisher acted negligently. So that's a much lower bar, much easier for the plaintiff to get over. So I think it's entirely possible that Smartmatic would be deemed a public figure. I think that would really depend on the extent of Smartmatic's profile and influence before it was thrust into the limelight by the defendants in this case. Now, the hedge that I would put on that is that there are some cases in the country where courts have recognized involuntary public figures, you know, public figures that are not public figures at the time that they become famous or well-known, but that in fact, the defamation is what makes them well-known. And courts have recognized that that kind of plaintiff can be deemed a public figure as well. So, as a practical matter, if Smartmatic is deemed a public figure, I would imagine that it would try to show reckless disregard because it is the lower bar of the two between that and showing uh, actual knowledge of falsity. And what it usually requires is proof that the defamation was published with a high degree of awareness of its probable falsity, where there would be sufficient evidence to permit the conclusion that the defendant did, in fact, entertain serious doubts regarding the truthfulness of whatever it is that he or she published. So this requires consideration of a variety of factors, including whether the company adequately investigated facts before making a statement. whether a person ignored clear signs that the statement was wrong, whether she made a mistake in interpreting phrase or made a mistake in word choice, whether sources are reliable, if you are relying on unreasonably bad sources, and then whether your own statement's were informed or motivated by bias or by prejudice. All of that can come into play when a court makes a determination about whether a defendant acted recklessly in publishing defamation.
1: Fox took Lou Dobbs off the air right after the lawsuit was filed. Does that play in anywhere here in the legal case? It's
0: kind of legally hard to figure out what the significance of that would be. And it looks to me like it is in direct response to the litigation, but I don't know what the legal effect is. I guess maybe in thinking through harm or blame, or if you're just trying to present the appearance that you're acting in good faith, and to the extent that. Fox would admit or recognize any mistakes that it has made, which it seems so far unwilling to do you know, based on the motion to dismiss that was filed. It is important to recognize that plaintiffs can sue more than just the first person to publish a defamatory statement. Um, and so where that might be relevant, I suppose, would be in apportioning blame, you know, where courts and juries commonly consider the degree of injury and the responsibility for it. But again, that's a slightly different issue here from the legal effect of removing Lou Dobbs from his show.
1: Now, Smartmatic claims that there was a conspiracy, that Fox was part of a coordinated disinformation campaign. Why allege something that seems so difficult to prove?
0: They wouldn't necessarily have to prove that in order to prevail on the defamation claim. I'm imagining that what they're trying to do in using that language to describe you know, some sort of conspiracy is that they're trying to show that actors like Giuliani and Powell, they needed a platform to spread their false statements. And what they found in Fox News, and this is even mentioned in the complaint in one part, what they found in Fox News was a very willing partner. And so they all worked together in concert to create this narrative about Smartmatic you know, that Fox eagerly and willingly joined into, but all for different reasons. You know, where the allegation in the complaint is that Fox News was a willing participant because it needed a way to try to win back listeners and viewers from One American News and from Newsmax, which had been nipping at Fox News' heels, and then began to get even more attention in the days after the 2020 election. And then the motivation alleged on the part of Giuliani and Powell is that they were simply out for their own ambition and to enrich themselves. And so I I would imagine that, you know, that conspiracy language is part of the narrative that Smartmatic wants to argue around the purposes for which all of these actors did what they did and to show that this was calculated, that these were not accidents and the news organization and the sources here were all doing this in a purposeful, strategic manner.
1: What is the possibility here of a settlement?
0: I would say overwhelmingly likely. For one, virtually no libel cases go from cradle to grave to a full-blown jury verdict. It it of course does happen, but it's very rare. Most of these cases settle out. I would imagine that we will read in some time about a confidential settlement agreement that we may not learn much about. So I think it's overwhelmingly likely that this would be settled out.
1: Smartmatic alleges $2.7 billion in damages. Does that seem to be a very high number?
0: it is a very high number yes and the basis that is offered in the complaint to support it um is that the, the the falsehoods made smartmatic you know known uh nationwide you know even internationally by by voters but particularly relevant here in the united states uh as as a as a criminal uh, organization you know that stole the 2020 us election uh which for smartmatic um, it alleges, you know, led to the loss of business partnerships that strained client relationships. And according to the company, an um, estimated loss of more than $500 million in future profits. And then some of the other harm that is alleged in the complaint is that um, the, you know, Smartmatic, and, and this, this is true of the Dominion litigation as well, that, you know, the name began, it became synonymous with conspiracy theory, um, and that as a result of the conspiracy theory spreading, uh, employees of Smartmatic and employees of Dominion as well, is that they, they were recipients of threats, uh, threats in some cases that were death threats, uh, and they had been noted in the complaint as well.
1: Thanks, John. That's Jonathan Peters of the University of Georgia. Smartmatic has joined Dominion Voting Systems in suing supporters of former President Donald Trump who have claimed voter fraud. Joining me is Cardikay Marotra, Bloomberg News cybersecurity reporter. It's a 276-page complaint. Tell us about some of the main allegations.
2: Well, Smartmatic is, is one of two companies that sued Fox and its personalities in the last couple of weeks, and the primary claim here is defamation. Right. They're saying that for the better part of the last two and a half, three months, Fox News, Rudy Giuliani and Sidney Powell, along with uh, the company's anchors, have been attacking these companies falsely over their ability to influence the results of the presidential election. Uh, Claims that Smartmatic uh, has allegiances to uh, Venezuelan leadership. Uh, and uh, is embedded in all the Dominion machines and was used to manipulate votes and turn votes have been peddled widely since uh, the election with no basis of fact. And uh, and so these companies are are finally pushing back with multi-billion dollar lawsuits.
1: Are they trying to prove that the Fox News hosts were part of a campaign, a disinformation campaign, that they were working in any way with Giuliani and and Powell?
2: It's the implication in these lawsuits. Uh, When I spoke with the the Smartmatic attorney, I asked that specific question, and he said, look, you don't bring these actors on your show repeatedly dozens of times without knowing exactly what they're going to say. And, And so if you you can't plead ignorance uh after the first three or four times they've been on your show and they've been on social media peddling this disinformation and and they go on to state in the complaint as well that Lou Dobbs in particular would at the end of these conversations with Giuliani and Powell um offer a summation of their claims which was tantamount to to um agreeing with them or at least uh, you know, implying that there was some coordination here between Fox and its personalities to promote this conspiracy.
1: I also read that they alleged that some of the language the host used was language that the lawyers used, like cyber Pearl Harbor. So they yeah, echoed what they, the lawyers were saying.
2: Yeah, exactly. So this lawsuit will be all about the plaintiff's ability to convince. Uh, the judge, that there was a coordinated campaign here to uh, peddle disinformation about the results of the election. And, and yes, that is one of the claims that, that the hosts themselves were using uh, the exact same scripted language as, as the attorneys who were representing the president at the time to uh, push this conspiracy. And I think anybody who watched Fox News or Newsmax or OAN in the last couple of months did hear a lot of that rhetoric uh, over and over and over again uh, to to push the conspiracy uh, until the end of December and early January, when some of the networks finally started to pump the brakes a bit.
1: I'm wondering why, instead of having to prove this coordinated disinformation campaign, why they didn't just sue Fox separately and claim defamation?
2: So that is what they've done. They have sued and claimed defamation against Fox. They've also named these other characters as as people who peddled the disinformation. Uh and the conspiracy is is simply a wrinkle that is part of the lawsuit that, that says that they were all in, in cahoots. But the reality is in the surface of this litigation is exactly how you describe it. It is about Fox's disinformation campaign and um, the defamation of these two companies, um, accusing them of, of conspiring to um, change votes.
1: In December, Smartmatic demanded a retraction from Fox. What happened with that?
2: That's right. So in mid-December, actually both companies, Smartmatic and Dominion, both demanded retractions uh, from Fox, Newsmax, OAN, and and the individuals who are named to the complaint, and a few weeks after that, the networks came out with these packaged segments where they had uh, experts, election security experts, go on the air and say there is no conspiracy here. They framed it as, as a news story or almost an investigation to show that this did not occur. But it did not, as far as the attorneys for Dominion and Smartmatic are concerned amount to a correction an admission that what they were stating for months was false and so because they did not get the apology they were looking for here we are with this uh, defamation
1: suit now fox called it a meritless lawsuit i mean does it appear as if fox is going to try to defend its coverage
2: that's an interesting question so fox's argument is always that they they have a line between uh, their guests' opinion, some of their personalities' opinion, and and fact and news, and and they'll probably try to toe that line. If this case ever uh, goes to trial or, or anywhere close to it, I do not expect this case to go anywhere close to trial. Um, for Fox to allow it to go even to discovery would be shocking, because uh, you know obviously there's a lot more to be learned about the potential for a conspiracy here in coordination between Fox and and its uh, personalities that uh, I'd be surprised if they, they let out in the public.
1: Smartmatic is looking for damages of $2.7 billion. Where are they getting that $2.7 billion number?
2: Yeah, it's interesting. So so they have calculated, they're saying that, uh, that the companies and the governments that they work with, the governments that they work with, have been, asking them a lot of questions about their relationship with election vendors and this conspiracy. And that because of those questions, there are clients of theirs around the world who are uh, pulling out of contracts or deciding not to conduct business with Smartmatic explicitly. And and so they believe that uh, there's, there's half a billion dollars in damages there, along with reputational harm, that amounts to $2.7 billion. Now, whether that's going to prohibit a settlement or not is unlikely actually so there have been cases in the past where plaintiffs uh have demanded billions of dollars of of news channels who have allegedly defamed them and those cases have settled for a fraction of the amount Um, and and so that's not entirely out of the realm of possibility here they're asking for 2.7 billion dollars. they could settle for a few hundred million which for a voting machine vendor is actually not a small sum of money
1: Powell's affidavit, tell me about what she attached to her affidavit, something that had been submitted to courts and rejected.
2: Yeah, so she has been touting affidavits since the the days after the election, which uh, she claims have been produced by industry experts, voters, uh, as evidence of the conspiracy to undermine the results of the election. And, And she shared with us one of them, uh, on uh, you know, late last week, uh, which, which was authored by a person whose name was redacted in the affidavit. But the person claims to be an election expert and a former uh, military official who has intimate knowledge of the origins of Smartmatic and their relationship with uh, the Venezuelan government uh, 20 years ago. And the affidavit claims that nothing happens in Venezuela without the government's blessings, which is tantamount to evidence that that uh, Smartmatic is in cahoots with uh, socialist leaders in in Venezuela, and and so this paints a picture of, of their motives. Um, the affidavit was submitted in multiple lawsuits uh, in which uh, she sought to uh, question the credibility of results. Uh, none of those lawsuits succeeded.
1: Interesting that Smartmatic claims that its case is supported by the fact that it has limited exposure to U.S. elections. So it was only California?
2: Uh, Only Los Angeles. so The biggest voting jurisdiction in the United States um, came out with a new set of voting machines uh, a couple of years ago, and Smartmatic runs the software on those voting machines. That is the only jurisdiction in the United States where Smartmatic provides software services. Um, the claim has been made that Smartmatic provides software services to Dominion. That is patently false. Um, and so their argument here is that, look, if we can just convince the judge or a jury that there's no way we have this undue influence um, because we only work in one jurisdiction, that's, that's all we need to, to prove. And and as long as the judge can understand that, then everything else that is followed by Fox and um, and personalities amounts to defamation.
1: So it seems like they have a plausible case of defamation, but what about the fact that this is a matter of public interest? Might there, the higher standard apply here, reckless disregard? That's
2: exactly right. Yeah, that's the question. If this does go to trial, the question becomes uh, whether uh, Fox can be held uh, accountable um, or if it's simply raising the, the specter uh, of these questions, um, it, and that's when we come back to this issue of: was there truly a conspiracy here to defame these companies, or was it simply a news outlet um, uh, stating uh, what the, what some of the attorneys of the president were uh, were peddling? Um, and, and that's a question for a judge and jury to determine.
1: It's a Tough hurdle. Fox Business canceled Lou Dobbs' show, its biggest show. Yep. Where does that fit in to this?
2: It, that's a good question uh, that has garnered much speculation on the social medias. Uh, it's unclear if uh, you know, this is part of their uh, campaign to distance themselves from uh, the, the alleged defamation. Um, They they obviously haven't said that. Um, It would be interesting uh, if this came out as as possible terms of a settlement. I have no way of knowing that that is the case. But uh, the timing certainly raises a lot of questions about why Dobbs' show was canceled uh, weeks after these lawsuits were filed.
1: Dominion is is suing as well. Are the lawsuits basically the same? They echo each other?
2: The lawsuits are similar. There's actually three lawsuits. So there's one against uh, Rudy Giuliani and there's one against Powell filed by Dominion. And then there's a third filed by Smartmatic against uh, Giuliani and uh, Powell and Fox and its, um, its anchors. So the, com- the complaints are, are all largely similar. It's just that Dominion has a much wider spread across the United States. They, they work in a lot of the swing states. Their systems are used all over the country. And so, uh, and, and as we discussed, Smartmatic's case is largely limited to one county in California. So while the claims are the same, their standing is, is slightly different. That's why we're talking about uh, a series of different complaints.
1: And uh, is it Dominion or, or Smartmatic or both that are asking social media platforms to preserve information?
2: That's a good question. Uh, I believe it is Dominion that is asking uh, for social media to preserve this information, their concern being that, you know, uh, that a lot of these social media platforms that promise to delete or remove this content from their, their platform so as not to amplify it. And, and they're worried that in that process that it just gets uh, thrown out with the, the dishwater. Uh, and so they want to make sure that, uh, that that evidence is is readily available.
1: Did you talk to any legal experts? I mean, do they think that this uh, lawsuit is strong?
2: Yeah. So it's it's for the reasons that you raised earlier, it, these news networks have um, license to um, to often speculate and raise concerns, um, especially when they're coming from attorneys. That is the precedent, and so it becomes hard to to nail down defamation when it's. Uh, when it's rooted in news and that is going to be a major challenge for these uh, plaintiffs to, to show that uh, the defamation was part of a conspiracy and that the news organizations were part of it um, so what happens if this case goes to trial is is a bit of a toss-up um, but again uh, these lawsuits defamation cases have a ripe history of being settled I would put my money on that being the ultimate resolution here
1: And just to clarify, did Sidney Powell tell you that she was going to fight this on the merits?
2: She did. She did. In a statement, she told my colleague, Eric Larson, that that these are unfounded claims, that she's going to push back. And that's when she shared with us the affidavit, which she believes is proof of a conspiracy involving Smartmatic.
1: As you mentioned in your your story, the threat of defamation suits seems to be at least in one instance, with the My Pillow founder, seems to to have a restraining effect of some sort.
2: Yeah, so the uh, the channels have pumped the brakes a little bit on the disinformation campaign. Newsmax, which which uh, gained in popularity when Fox News stopped being as conspiratorial as the president wanted them to, actually. Um, told uh, uh, Mike Lindell, the, uh, the CEO of MyPillow, that his conspiracy about uh, the election being uh, fraudulent was not rooted in fact. And, and there's a, a popular clip going around where where he is you know, really uh, digging in on this claim, and the anchor tries to interrupt him repeatedly. And when he declines to to stop with this disinformation campaign, the, actual, the anchor actually gets up and leaves. So there, there appears to have been some sort of cooling impact after uh, the companies sent these letters of retraction, these demands of retraction in late December, which then followed with the litigation. So um, it'll be interesting to see if the if the news outlet then say, look, we've done everything they wanted us to, we're not peddling this anymore, this lawsuit needs to go away.
1: Thanks, K. That's Karthike Morocha, Bloomberg News, global security reporter. And that's it for this edition of the Bloomberg Law Show. Please join us every weeknight at 10 p.m. Eastern right here on Bloomberg Radio.